happy Sabbath day to all of you, my beloved brethren. Wherever, wherever we may be at this moment, indeed, we give praise and honor to our loving Yahuwah Abba. Beloved brethren, indeed, we are fortunate for we are able to gather once again to give praises and honor to our loving Abba and his beloved son, Yahusha HaMashiach, on this special day of Sabbath. Now, please pay close attention to our lesson so that we may truly benefit and the more we will be strengthened in our faith and our conviction to continue to always follow the teachings and command of our loving Yahuwah God. Brethren, deception is what we will study today. And we all know that deceptions occurs in our life. What it is when we are persuaded or made to believe that something false is the truth, or the truth was hidden from us. We are often deceived by people who want to take advantage of us. Now, there's a lot of reasons why people often commit deception. To name a few, reason why is or what? People deceive others to get something they want, like money, to protect or promote themselves, or worse, when harm is even done to someone due to being a victim of deception. But brethren, there's another type. The worst type of deception. A deception that if we are not careful of, it may ruin and endanger our relationship with our loving King and our God. A deception that if we are not careful, brethren, it may endanger us from claiming our inheritance of everlasting life to be with our King Yahusha in the Holy City. This deception that I'm talking about is committed by none other than religious leaders whose agenda is nothing more than to promote themselves and to take advantage of their members, deceiving their members into believing that their group are the only ones to be saved come Judgment Day. That, you are that if you are expelled from their church, that you no longer have the right and privilege to serve God. These are some of the deceptions these religious leaders use to control their members. That is the kind of deception we will focus on and study in our lesson today. So that we may overcome deception and not be deceived by these so-called religious leaders and keep our true faith intact. But to begin with our lesson today, my beloved brethren, let's go back. Let's go back in the history of the Bible. Who, who is the first deceiver recorded in the Holy Scriptures? We will begin by studies today by reading the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 4 to 5. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Who is the first deceiver recorded in the Holy Scriptures? It is the devil himself, Satan, who appeared to Adam and Eve as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. What did Satan do to deceive Eve, my beloved brethren? He was effective, 
saying that God lied to them when he said they will surely die when they eat of the forbidden fruit. So Satan was able to deceive both Adam and Eve by twisting the words that Yahuwah had told them about the forbidden fruit. And what did Satan say to them? Number one, that they will not surely die. Their eyes will be opened and they will be like God, knowing good and evil. So that is what Satan do, my beloved brethren. That is what he is good at. Not only will he lie, but he will also try to entice you with something you may think will benefit you, but in the end, it will only cause you harm. Now, so what did they do? What did Adam and Eve do after talking to the devil? Here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 to 7. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sued fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So what did they do after talking to the devil? They believed what Satan said and fell to the great deception that caused them to be driven out of the Garden of Eden. Indeed, beloved brethren, their eyes were open and they realized that they were naked. But did Satan's promise that they will not surely die happen? We all know the answer to that, brethren. Of course not. No. Instead, death was only appointed to them, but also to the rest of mankind ever since. That is why, brethren, do not fall to believe anything that may sound too good to be true. Because most likely it is, and that's what the devil uses as his tactic. He will deceive you by telling you of somewhat close to the truth and even sounds similar. But in reality, at the end, his words are nothing more than poison. That is why in the assembly, brethren, we do our due diligence, do we not, in studying the words of Yahuwah taught to us by our king? So again, please be active, participant in our Bible studies. We have it now three times a week. And there we gain the knowledge that we need. I believe right now, if we are all following in our reading assignments, we should be have read already Genesis and the book of Job. Then afterwards, brethren, ask questions. Test it for yourself. Ask questions and most important, always pray. Pray, my beloved brethren, to Yahuwah God. And Yahushua, that they may grant us the wisdom and knowledge we need to make the proper discernments in our life, that we may not be deceived. Now, in these last days, will there be deceptions that will occur in our time? Let us continue our lesson by reading the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse four, verses 4 to 5. And Yahuwah answered and said to, and Yahushua, answered and said to them, Take heed that no one 
deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am Christ. I am the Christ and will deceive many. In these last days, brethren, will there be deceptions that will occur? Our king says, many, many will come in my name and will claim that they are Christ and will deceive many. Now, what do we notice about those who will do the deception, brethren? They are what? Religious leaders. Why? Because they are preaching about this narrative, my beloved brethren, about Yahusha. False narrative. Right? About themselves. Some even claim to have the authority of Christ or even have the representation of Christ here on earth. What is the proof? That they claim to be the replacement of Christ on earth? Some have even inscription on the headgear that they wear, wear while they're preaching. On their headgear or tiaras that says, Vicarious Philodi. And I think we know what this is, my beloved brethren, you know who they are. Stands for the Viker of the Son of God. They are claiming to be the representative of the Son of God. Do you imagine that, brethren? These are the deceptions that these false preachers preach. There are even preachers or ministers of some religious groups who claim that their religious leader is some type of what? Christ themselves. Again, taking the glory for themselves that belong to our King. Brethren, do not fall for these deceptions. They are nothing more but blasphemous and definitely a form of idolatry when these false preachers do that. Question, could anyone, could anyone really be able to replace Yahusha Christ our King here on earth? Let us continue our lesson by reading the book of John, chapter 14, the verse is 6. Yahusha said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. My beloved brother, could anyone really be able to replace Yahusha? No. Because he himself said he is the only way to the Father in heaven. And without Him, there is no salvation as the name Yahusha is the only name by which we can be saved. My beloved brethren, here in the assembly of Yahusha, we follow these teachings from our King Yahusha. While other religious groups may put emphasis on their human leaders, here on earth, we, on the other hand, in the assembly of Yahusha, we put our emphasis on our king. He is our true shepherd. He is our savior. We recognize no one else except for Yahusha, Christ as our king and shepherd, brethren. The only way to our father, Yahuwah, in heaven. Anybody else that claims otherwise are no more than a false preacher trying to deceive us. How else? How else do false religious leaders attract members to join and retain them in their religious group? Brethren, we will now go over a verse that they commonly use for their members to remain in their group. Even as so, 
they use a scare tactic on their part that if you, if we are not really familiar with this verse, we may even ourselves be deceived. And I believe we are familiar with this verse because we heard of it. We've heard of it time and time again. Let us read Matthew chapter 18. The verse is 18 in the New King James Version. Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you buy on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do false religious leaders attract members to join and keep them in their religious group? Brethren, they twist the meaning of the above verse to mean that what? Binding on earth means registering the names of the members of the book of life in heaven. That is what they say, brethren. That when they said binding, it means that writing the names in their register, in their own registration, in their book of the name of their members and also connecting the book of life in heaven. Sounds familiar, brethren? See how they deceive us and how they twist? How else do they twist the meaning of a word to support their false teachings? What else do they say, my beloved brethren? Whatever they lose on earth means removing the names of their members from the book of life in heaven. In other words, what they are saying is that they have control over the book of life in heaven. Isn't that amazing, brethren? What power can anyone have? That is, and that is what they use, brethren, to deceive their members. In effect, the religious leader guarantees that so long, as long as their members maintain their membership in their church, their names will remain in the book of life. Brethren, never fall for that kind of deception. We all know who only has one, who has control of the book of life in heaven, our King Yahusha, and our Father in heaven has the control of the book of life in heaven. Nobody else, no one here on earth has that authority, my beloved brethren. Now, what is then the real meaning of the book of Matthew 18, 18? What is the real meaning of that? Let us go over it again once again, this time reading it in the New Life version of the Bible. Let us read. For sure, I tell you, Whatever you do not, do not allow on earth will not have been allowed in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth will have been allowed in heaven. What is the real meaning of the verse, Matthew 18, 18, my beloved brethren? The verse refers to the things that are prohibited and the things that are allowed to be done. These are the things that are used in resolving conflicts when a brother sins against another brother, my beloved brethren. The elders that are resolving the conflicts during the time would abide by what are prohibited or allowed by Yahuwah. What do we need to do always? We need to examine the context, brethren. The context of the verse preached to us. The way it is used by the religious group is totally out of context. As it has nothing to do with registration and expulsion of members from the church. And most importantly, has nothing to do with 
adding or subtracting members' names to the book of life, as only our King Yahusha and Yahuwah Abba have control over the book of life in heaven. Brethren, that's what the meaning is of Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. So if you know of any religious group, my beloved brethren, that uses Matthew chapter 18, verse 18, to justify their claim that they can guarantee your salvation, you must get out of that religious group as quickly as you can. I believe, my beloved brethren, here in the assembly of Yahusha, we have been properly been guided to what is the truth and what is the lie. That is the blessings of our almighty God unto us, my beloved brethren. Continue to be strong in the faith and let's continue together to study the words of Yahuwah God meant for us to be followed, taught to us by our King Yahusha HaMashiach. That is my part of the lesson, my beloved brethren. Our lesson will now be continued by our brother. Shabbat Shalom, brothers and sisters in the faith. We know that ever since the very beginning, the devil has been active when it comes to deceiving the people of God. That is because he does not want the people of God to be saved. He wants them to be condemned in the lake of fire. This is why we need to learn to protect ourselves from any work and any act of deception. Now, if the devil was active in the Garden of Eden during the beginning of creation, how much more when we head towards the end of the world? He's going to be active. He's going to work industriously because he knows he has little time left. Now, for him to carry out his work of deception, his favorite platform happens to be a religious one. Apostle Paul warns us that Satan has his servants. They are called ministers of righteousness. Nobody wants to be deceived, especially when it comes to serving and worshiping Yahuwah and Yahushua. This is why we need to know their tactics. We need to know their strategy so that we can overcome their work of deception. What makes deception deception is the fact it looks like and appears to sound true because there's a difference between a lie and deception. A lie is a blatant refusal of the truth, but deception looks and sounds like the truth. This is why it is called deception. Now, how do religious leaders and preachers deceive? They also use the Holy Bible. It's like Matthew 18, 18 that was used and read by Brother Paul. We know that many religious leaders today use Matthew 18, 18, but twist it to make it mean something that it was not intended to mean. Now, what is also an example of a misapplication or a misuse of biblical verses, which causes people to be deceived. Let's read what it says in the book of 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or, or of necessity. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you 
that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. What's an example of a biblical scripture that people twist and misuse? And so because of this, many have been deceived. It is the teaching about the giving of offering. Beloved brethren, does the Bible teach that we should give offering? Yes. According to Apostle Paul, those who give according to the purposes of their heart, Yahuwah is able to bless them so that they will have sufficiency in all things. That's the biblical truth. But how do some misuse and twist this biblical truth? They will teach what is called the prosperity gospel. And so they twist this passage. How do they twist this passage? They say, if you give, you're going to prosper in all things. In other words, when you give to God, God gives to you and he will make you prosper in all things. And so you will be wealthy materially. You will have nice houses and cars and even your own jet plane. And so you're going to prosper and prosper because you keep giving and giving to God. And so people believe this. And so they give their offering, even though their basis for doing so is not according to the teachings of the Holy Bible. This is called the prosperity gospel. How also do some twist this scripture? Bible says each one should give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. And so sometimes when people use and teach this verse, they tell the, their congregation, each one should give. But then how do they force people to give offering? Well, they will use different tactics. They will say such things as if you do not give offering, you're going to commit a grave sin against God. They even cite other biblical references like Psalm 50 verse 22. In Psalm 50 verse 22, it says, God will tear you into pieces and misapply that to refer to those who don't give thanksgiving offering. And so they use that to coerce people to give offering. They will even visit you and give you envelopes. When they do this, it is a misapplication of the biblical teaching. What is the correct way of giving offering? It has to come from our heart, not from the heart of other people. It must come from us so that we will be a cheerful giver. And so what must we always remember? So that we will not be deceived by the prosperity gospel. Let's read what it says in the book of Corinthians 15 verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. What must we place our hope in so that we will not be deceived by the preaching of prosperity gospel preachers? Bible says we must place our hope in Christ, not in this life. But place our hope in Christ where? In heaven. Beloved brethren, remember what our King Yahushua said? When he said, follow me. He said, if you follow me, you're going to be hated. If you follow me, you're going to be persecuted. If you follow me, you're going to have suffering. Beloved brethren, do we still want to follow our King Yahushua? You might be having second thoughts. What I want is a comfortable life here on earth without any problems whatsoever. 
if that is our mentality, we can be easily deceived. Maybe we can be deceived into dropping our faith, no longer believing in Messiah. I believed in Messiah. I believed in Yahusha. But then I lost my job. I'm going through persecution. My family no longer talks to me. And so what happens? Because their hope in Messiah is only for this life only. They betray their faith. Beloved brethren, when we choose to follow our king, expect we're going to be persecuted. It's part of becoming a disciple of our King Yahusha. It's the cost of discipleship. And so we need to place our focus, not in this life, but in the life that is to come. Because our calling is not for this earth, but for heaven. That is our eternal home. So we need to learn how to overcome deception so that we don't end up losing our faith. But according to scriptures, how many are going to be deceived religiously? Let's read what it says in the book of Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are a few who find it. How many, according to our King Yahusha himself, will be deceived? Bible says many will be deceived. And who are the people referred to here who will be deceived? They are religious people. Why do we know this? Because he's speaking about two kinds of people who enter a gate. The gate refers to a practice of religion. Because when we look at the word religion, it means the way back to God. Religare, right? Is the meaning of religion. Returning to God. And so you are looking for a path or a way back to God. And so there's like a gate that leads back to God. And our King Yahusha says there are two kinds of people who practice religion, or who enter religion. There are those who will find destruction, and there are those who will find life. Can you imagine that? If our King Yahusha actually says that there are religious people who are going to find destruction instead of, everlast instead of everlasting life, this is why we have to examine the religion we belong to. We have to examine the church we belong to. Why? Because it could be, instead of heading to life, we're actually heading to destruction. What is the warning of our King Yahusha? He says many, not few, but many are headed towards destruction. This is why if I were you, beloved brethren, I would examine the church where I belong to. Those who belong to the assembly of Yahusha, we belong to a congregation, right? We worship God together. We study the Bible together. I want you to examine, to test what we do in the assembly of Yahusha. Because if we will not do that, we could end up like what our King Yahusha warned us about. We could end up in destruction. Why must we always test the religion? And the practices that we do inside the church, that's because we want to make sure that we will find life. How many will find life? How many will enter a true religion? Bible says only a few. Because the narrow gate allows only for a few 
They would prefer the wider gate because it's popular, because they see their friends going and joining that church or that religious group. And so they follow it. This is why we have to ask ourselves, beloved brethren, why do you belong to the church you belong to? Ask yourself. Because sometimes when you ask people, why do you go to that church? Oh, I love the singing in that church. I love the band. Why do you go to your church, sir? Oh, because in this church, I love the food. Potluck that we have afterwards. Why do you go to, the, to your church? Oh, because the church I belong to, it's the closest to my house. Well, why do you go to your church? Oh, because in the church we go to, I love the people there. I love the social, the, the, the social part. They have a lot of social activities in that church. Beloved brethren, are those the answers that should be the basis for why we belong to the church? What should be our reason when it comes to joining a church or a church group? Let's read what it says in the book of Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Beloved brethren, this passage that we read to all of you today, this should really cause us to examine ourselves, right? Because what our King Yahushua says is pretty shocking. The shock value of this, this statement from our King Yahushua should cause all of us to begin thinking about how we practice religion. It should cause all of us to think whether or not I'm going to be saved. Because our King Yahushua warns us not many are going to be saved, only a few. And why will many be rejected? Because our King Yahushua says that their basis for practicing religion is not appropriate. Here, there are several things that people use as basis when it comes to church membership. What is the basis of some? Well, just call me Lord, Lord. This is called easy believism. This is what is called faith alone. Just profess belief in our King Yahushua and you're going to be saved. That's not going to work with our King. What also is the belief of some? Well, they say that when our King Yahushua mentions here, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, they're going to be saved. People sometimes misuse that and they say the will of my father is entering a specific church organization. And that's it. Presto, you're going to be saved. It's not what it means. What also is the basis of some? They prophesy, cast out demons, do many wonders. It's called religious activities. And so they base their faith, their base their salvation on religious activities. I've done a lot of religious works for you. Therefore, I'm going to be saved. That's not the basis. Beloved brethren, when you look at this passage, I want you to see the true basis for our salvation. Do you see it? Our King Yahushua says, but he who does the will of my Father in 
heaven. Well, what does that mean? That we do the will of my Father in heaven. It means we live our life day by day doing the will of Abba. Remember, the will of Yahuwah is not just one act. It is a way of life. There are some religious groups today who think the will of Yahuwah is just one act. Oh, just enter, the, this, enter this church organization, you're going to be saved. No, it's not one act. It is a way to way living so that we show our relationship with who? The Father. And so what our King Yahuwah is telling us, if we want to be saved, we need to have that proper relationship with Yahuwah. Not only that, but also is the basis for our salvation. Our King Yahusha also says in verse 23, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You notice what our King says? He says, I never knew you. And so one of the basis for our confidence for salvation is our knowledge of Yahusha and his knowledge of us. What does that point to? A relationship with our king, Yahushua. So the basis when it comes to salvation is keeping the covenant relationship with our father, Yahuwah, and his king and his son, Yahushua HaMashiach. Are we relating to our father and to our king, Yahushua? It's not about religious activity. It's not about prophesying. It's about having a relationship with our father, and his beloved son. How, so because of this, what must we always do? So that we don't end up deceived. Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 21. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Beloved brethren, we need to test all things. When we are taught scriptures, test the context. When we pray, let us test ourselves and ask ourselves, is Yahusha still with me? Do I still have this relationship with him? Because if we don't, it doesn't matter what we do. How can we expect to receive salvation? And so let us test all things and let us seek and be faithful to our King, Yahusha. What is the promise for those? who make the effort, who take the time, because it takes time, it takes effort to test things. Nobody wants to test things nowadays. They simply just want to be told what to do. But the Bible tells us we have to do our part, and our part is to test all things. That's part of our faithfulness. And so if we test all things and remain faithful to our King Yahusha, what is the promise for each and every one of us? Let's read the final passage of our studies today. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 10, 10, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. What is the promise for those who remain faithful to work in Yahushua? who remain faithful to Yahuwah, Abba. Bible says we will be given a crown of life. What does it mean to be faithful until death? It means that we will be loyal to what Yahuwah and Yahusha wants. 
This begins by knowing what Yahuwah and Yahusha wants. What does Yahuwah and Yahusha want from us? What they want and desire is for us to know them and to love them by the way we live our life. This is why it's so precious to us to call upon our Father and upon His Son with their precious names, the name Yahuwah and Yahusha. Because when we call using the name Yahuwah and the name Yahusha, we understand what those names represent. It represents who they are. Yahuwah is all about faithfulness and loving kindness and mercy and compassion. Yahushua is about sacrificial love. And so when we call upon the name of the Father and upon the name of His Son and express by faith what they mean, we deepen our relationship with them. We remain loyal to them. And despite all the sufferings that we're going to go through, if we will remain faithful until the end, we will receive the crown of life. This is what Yahusha wants to give us. And so he wants us to fight the good fight of faith, test all things, and overcome the devil and his work of deception. That is our lesson. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Almighty and everlasting Father, Yahuwah Abba, thank you so much for blessing our worship service today. We do our best to seek your will, to know you, and to know your teachings. Help us, Father, to test all things that we will be found approved by you. Because, Father, we want to be under your good favor. May you please accept our worship now. May you bless your people all over the world. We all have many challenges in life. We all know that living in this life has many challenges because our bodies have not yet been redeemed. There are times when we feel exhausted. There are times when we are afflicted with sicknesses. There are times when we are overwhelmed by stress in life. Father, we need you because when we feel your presence, especially when we worship together like this, we are strengthened again, and our vitality is renewed. We praise you forever, Abba. May you please accept and bless each and every one of us. May you teach us what we need to know. May you teach us what we need to do. When you send your beloved Son, may we be included among those who will be embraced by salvation. Our King Yahushua. We want to test ourselves. We want to make sure you are with us. May you please bless our minds and our hearts. Bring us close to yourself. Help us to be loyal and faithful to you always in our life. Please pray for each one of us. Strengthen us in all that we do, that we might overcome the many persecutions in our life. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. You have blessed your people today. For we ask everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.